0: Into the word of god again this morning amen and i'm calling this uh series this month amen the temple of truth two uh because before we had uh temper of truth one and we was talking about the beatitudes and as i told you the beatitudes just doesn't cover chapter five verses one through 12 it actually covers chapter five six and seven Amen. And you will notice uh, with the Beatitudes the things you want to follow is how Jesus implemented these things that he taught And these three chapters when he came down off that mount. You will find as you continue to follow on through Matthew that everything that Jesus told to do in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 you see and then put it in practice in the remainder of the book in Matthew. So this is what you want to look at. Amen. So today we want to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through verse 30. And I'll read this, amen, and from the King James Version of the Bible. Amen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden on the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven." "...for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said by them of old times, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thy fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost thoughtland. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable, profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Amen. So we're talking about Temple of Truth too. Amen. Paul right in here amen i mean matthew excuse me is right into the church and he's trying to give us some understanding of what jesus has said and for us to do so the apostle paul also admonishes us in second timothy three sixteen to 17 he tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for corrections instructions and righteousness that the man of god shall be Perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. And so what we're trying to do here is to move ourselves forward to where we can become what God desires of us to become and to do. Amen. So if all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, then we can see the value and importance of studying the Word of God. We can understand that without success, as the Lord told Joshua, and Joshua 1, he says, Do not let this law depart out of your mouth, for in so doing you will have good success. Amen. So the Word of God is designed to bring us to that perfection that Jesus has talked about. Amen. He wants us to move on to perfection. This is why the writer of Hebrews said, we're not going to lay the foundations anymore. We're not going to lay the foundation of repentance and baptism and, the, and all these things that you learn at the beginning. He said, we're going to do that anyhow. He said, but what you've got to learn how to do now as a Christian is you have to move on to perfection. And there's a lot of things that will take place as you're going through God's Word and studying God's Word that you have to have understanding and knowledge and wisdom. If not, it will trip you up. What a lot of times you think you're hearing is not what is being said. And so, therefore, you've got to search the Scripture, Jesus says. You've got to get an understanding. Solomon says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all your getting, get an understanding. Now, if you notice here, amen, the first eight we covered already. And so, therefore, if we leave the principles of the doctrine in Christ, we're going to move on to perfection. So looking at the purpose of this church, amen, what is the purpose of this church? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. See, you've got to grow in the understanding of God. This is why Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18, he says, "...but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." You've got to mature. You've got to grow. You can't stay a baby and hold on just to the principal things. You've got to move on. Amen. You've got to learn how to deal with offenses. Jesus told you offenses are going to come. People are going to do things. I'm going to say things. They're going to probably rock your cradle sometime. But if you're not stable and mature in Christ, you know what you'll do? You'll leave the church. This is why a lot of people leave the church. It's because they're immature. They don't know what the Word of God says and how to deal with circumstances and situations and so therefore you've got to grow in God and this is what the Beatitudes is all about because God wants you to adjust your attitude so that you know how to deal with things when it comes against you amen this is warfare <laughs> it is what the Lord wants you to understand and this is why Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in the 6th chapter he says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord. That's what the same thing God had told Joshua. He says, you be strong and of good courage. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So Paul says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God. Amen. Have your lawn skirted about with truth. You got to know truth. Truth comes from the word of God. Jesus says in John 8, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Make you free amen and if the truth makes you free the sun make you free you're free indeed okay so the purpose is that you might walk worthy of the Lord to all pleasing everything you do God is well pleased this is why Hebrews 11:6 says without faith is impossible to please God you've got to walk by faith and not by sight see? So, we want to, amen, walk worthy of the Lord and be increased in the knowledge of God. Hosea 4, 6 says what? My people are for what? A lack of knowledge. People are just, boy, one of the worst things you can do is self-destruct. Because you're too lazy to study. You're too lazy to put what you're hearing to use. As I said Wednesday night in our study here, you know, you can sit in church all your life and still be lazy. Because you're not being obedient to the word of God. You're not doing what is saying. God wants you to mature, He wants you to grow. The vision of the church, the church of divine leadership and spiritual growth for everyone. You know, everyone should be leaders. Lead yourself, if nothing else. <laughs> You should be leading you more and more to be like Christ. You should be leading your family. You should be leading your work. You should be... Every born-again believer should be a leader. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's the greatest leader, right? Amen. So everybody should be leading. you you on your secular job. You should be the leader. People should be following you. You should be setting the standard. You should be setting the example. Amen. For that works site, You know, this is what you got to do. Because you got truth. And you should know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Amen. So we must move on to perfection. We must go on to the condition and state of quality of being free from flaws and, and things that's In our lives, amen, we are to have the ability to recognize, to discern wrong from right. You are to be kings and priests unto the Lord. And there are certain things that are not for kings and priests. That's why when you read Proverbs 31, a lot of times it talks, we we usually focus on Proverbs 31 for the women, but really it starts out with the man. So it's not for kings, old Lamiel. It's not for kings to drink strong drink and 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 wine, right? Because what happens? You mess your mind up. You divert your decision making process. That's why people say, "What's wrong with drinking?" Well, you make crazy decisions when you get drunk. You make wrong choices. You know. And people still, mind haven't figured that out. They keep going right back to the bottle, and then they won, they lose their driver's license. When they can't drive, then it's, it's, it's the cop's fault for stopping them. No. <laughs> you just made wrong choices because you let the foolishness get in your head. Been there, did that. See? See? And so, therefore, we have to realize God wants us to move to a higher plateau in this thing. Amen. We are called to be distinct. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a... Holy nation, you are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him which has called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. Amen. So we have to realize we don't want to self-destruct and we do not want to destroy ourselves. Paul says in Romans 6, for if you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, you have put on Christ. Amen. Amen. I mean Galatians. But in in Romans 6, once you are baptized, you are risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. You are supposed to be a new creature in Christ moving forth. Amen. And so, therefore, we cannot allow the things of this world to hinder us from being leaders in what God is asking of us to be. So today we want to look at now. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Notice Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. And then he says, if the salt have lost his, H-I-S, savor, well shall it be salted? It's good for nothing to be cast out and men walk all over you. Amen. It's, it's good for nothing. So notice, you are the salt of of the earth now the world has tried to tell you that salt is bad for you they say you got too much salt no Jesus says salt is good <laughs> if you look at Matthew I think it's not Mark 9 50 he says salt is good see so, so salt is good and that's what Jesus is trying to get you to see you're good he said, you are good, and so therefore you should be able to change your surroundings. You should be able to influence and impact your surroundings. What comes to your mind when you think of influence? Good influence or negative influence? What, What comes to your mind? Huh? Anybody? Influence. Example? Da 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 da. <laughs> what comes to your mind when you think of influence? That's a question I'm asking. Change? Okay. Other people following? it? Amen. So we are supposed to influence our surroundings. See? We are supposed to be the ones that impact people around us we are the ones that are supposed to influence this world the world is not supposed to influence you you're supposed to influence the world you're supposed to change the world so that the world can see amen when jesus says, after the holy ghost has come upon you you're going to be witnesses unto me And Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the whole earth. Everywhere you go, as the Holy Ghost filled believer, you are supposed to impact that area and change that area, amen, to where it can see Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what salt does. It preserves. is a preserver. It stops things from rotting it. <laughs> Amen. And so you are supposed to notice, he says, you are salt. You are the influence. You are the one that changes things around you. Amen. It's what he wants you and I to become. Amen. To change when you see wrong. You see things not right. You're supposed to change it. Because you have the truth. You have the power within you to make a difference. Amen. So he says you are salt. Amen. And you are the preserver. You don't want things to keep decaying, things to keep going wrong. Make a difference. So Christians, by their lives and instructions from God's word, we are to be influenced on the world to keep it from continual destroying. We can continue to say, everybody in the world is crazy, everybody in the world is wrong, everybody, this world is everything and everything is wrong. Well, when are you going to change it? See, we can beat up the people out there all day long. They don't know. See? And so this is why we are sought to bring a change, to show them the way. When is the last time you went up to somebody and asked them, say, hey, would you like to have a Bible study? When's the last time you taught a Bible study? When is the last time you knocked on your neighbor's door and, and tried to influence them? Somebody posted a, a thing on Facebook I was looking at one day, and it was around Easter time. It was kind of interesting. You know, and uh, the couple was the neighbor to the next, the house over. And so the, the couple was getting ready to go to church. They had the kids all dressed up pretty and looking good. The husband had his tie. He looked good. The wife looked good. So the neighbor was out in front watering his lawn, had on his bathrobe and his pajamas on his bathrobe and stuff. And he's out there watering his lawn and stuff. And so the, the, the man wanted to get a good picture of him and his wife and his kids getting ready to go to Easter service. So he calls to his neighbor next door and says, Hey, could I get you to do me a favor? And he says, sure, what do you want? He said, will you take our picture? And he says, sure, i would be more than happy. And so they was posing and taking the picture. And finally the neighbor took the picture, and he says, where are you guys going? They said, we're going to church. Going to church? Yeah, it's Easter. We're going to church. And he says, okay. And they started to walk away. He And says, and you don't think that was important to share and tell me about it? I went, wow. We get dressed, we walk out of our house, we go to church. We don't think it's important to tell those we come in contact with what we found, what we have discovered. Don't you think we should share that with them? If they go to hell, you know what the Lord says in Ezekiel? He says, I'm going to hold you responsible because you knew. But yet we don't do it. How many people do we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis? We walk through Walmart, we walk through Sears, we walk through Pennies, we walk through the mall, we go to restaurants, the, the ladies bring our food, the waiters, the waitress, they bring our food and stuff, and yet we don't say a thing to them about the Lord. I will give my wife credit. When she puts a tip in, that, that, that thing at the end, She always put a church card in there with a note on it that says, we would love to have you to visit us at church. And a lot of times we talk to those waitresses and waiters and stuff. When we walk through the door at Walmart, I mean, there for a while, I mean, some of them has changed now. We're trying to get to know them. But most of them knew, they knew if I came in by myself, they would say, where's your wife? You know, because we would stop and talk to them and pray with them and hug them and get to know them. You know, have a conversation with them. You are salt. You've got to make a difference on your jobs. You know, make a difference. On some, Jude said, have compassion. Make a difference. Others. Save with fire. Save. Amen. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even their garments spotted by the flesh. We are the salt of the earth. Amen. So as Christians, we must be influenced. Amen. For this world. To, to bring them to an understanding. You know, a lot of people condemned Kim Davis in Kentucky when she did not, you know, want to sign those marriage laws, And it was sad because a lot of Christians were saying, she shouldn't do that. She shouldn't do that. You know, why were not we praying for her? You know, what Kim was saying is, I'll show you what slaughter is supposed to be. You know, I'll show you that I'm not going to cave in. I'm going to make a difference in my environment. Amen. And this is what we've got to have is the right attitude about right things and being an influenced. Amen. By bringing down the blessings of God in answer to their prayers and by the influence and example. You know what I found about people? Most people won't turn you away if you want to pray for them. You know? Especially when people are going through things and they come to talk to you about things. You know, you don't have to go into all kinds of details and stuff. You could just say, "Well, let's pray." That's usually what I do when somebody come up to me and and start telling me something. My first instinct is says, "Let's pray about it right now." You know, I don't say I'll be praying for it later. I, I tell them right there, right then, let's pray right now. You know, and and as a result, they see and they get to hear that you are praying for. Them. That's influence. That's Bringing the change. It may not impact right then, but later on down the road, you never know what that's going to do to people. You know, people will call you. People will look you up. People will begin to talk about how you prayed for them and and things change. You know, I got a lady that has never came to this church, but sometimes she'll send me a text and say, will you pray for this for us? You know, will you pray for that? They're doing better. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. You know, and that's what it's all about is we got to be that influence. Jesus also shows us here what the preaching of the gospel is all about. Amen. It's to bring that change. That's what the gospel does. It brings change to people's life. But if the salt is lost its savor, wherewithal shall it be salt? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to cast unto the foot of men and let men walk all over you. Salt is good for nothing if it's not doing its purpose. Are you doing your purpose? What is your purpose? That you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. What is the purpose of the Holy Ghost? To be a witness, right? Look in Luke four, eighteen and nineteen. Luke four, eighteen and nineteen. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. No exception. Everybody. Amen. It's to receive the gospel. Your witness, your testimony of what God has done in your life, you're just being salt. You're to preach the gospel to the poor. Tell them that Jesus died for their sin, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. Amen. Keep that up there, bro. Amen. Show them. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That the gospel is for the poor. Preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. He sent me to do what? Heal the broken hearts. How many of you know somebody's got a broken heart? Amen. Think about it. You know, people's hearts are being broken constantly. Making wrong choices, wrong marriages, all kinds of stuff. You know, and people's hearts are broke. But you as the salt, you can be that comforter. You can be that that support network to help them. Amen. And those times of brokenness that they're going through. The priest deliverance to the captives. Amen. Help people get free. Show them on the right track. Put them on the right road. You know, share with them so that they can see the truth of the matter and they can come out of those snares. Amen. Recover of sight to the blind. The reason people are doing a lot of the things they're doing is they can't see. Paul says if this gospel is hid... It's hid to them who's lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should be revealed to them. That's why people keep doing wrong. They can't see. The enemy's got them blind. That's why people keep going right back to the drugs. That's why people keep going right back to the alcohol. They can't see. They're blind. Their eyes has got to be, those scales has got to come off. They've got to come into a revelation and a knowledge of who Christ is and give their life over to Him. Of not, they're going to keep going down that same pathway. So they've got to be able to see. Amen. What did the blind man say? I once was lawless. I mean, I was blind, but what? Now I see. Amen. When Jesus opened His eyes, when you present the gospel, you're giving them Jesus, so that their eyes can be open, Amen. To set at liberty them that are bruised. This is what you're trying to do. This is the purpose of the Holy Ghost in you, witness. Yes, the word witness means martyr, and be, that you're be killed. But you've got to be willing to commit yourself to the things of God, Amen. It's what you want to do because you're salt. Amen. Salt brings that sweet taste, that good taste out. You know, if most of you like me, you get some, some French fries and they ain't got enough salt on them. You want some salt, right? Because it makes it brand. A, a watermelon. You get a watermelon, you put some salt on it, it brings the sweetness out. You ever try that? Try it. do on it. Put salt on your watermelon. Sometimes you know, it brings out more sweetness. Amen. You go down south, man, that's the first thing they do. You give them a slice of watermelon, they want some salt. Amen. They put on it. Same thing with a tomato. You know, you put the salt on tomato, it, it brings out the, the savory things of it. You know, cut your finger and stick it in salt. <laughs> it'll, it'll make you feel a little bit... <laughs> Amen. Change the environment, right? Amen. And so this is what the gospel is all about, is to bring in that sweetness, that goodness. See, because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. See, and he is the truth. And so he wants everybody to know him. And so you're the influencer. You're the one that changes. You know, let your light shine, Jesus says. Notice, he gives you two things to influence people by. One is salt. He tells you, that's you. And then he says, next, light. See? Because why? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. John says in 1 John 1, okay? He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him... And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ the Son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. See, the light Amen. I was I was messing with God yesterday at the men's conference and he gave me a cup of coffee and I put some some half and half in it. And it went from black, you know how cream oil will change. And he says, man, you messed that coffee up. I said, no, didn't. I just went from darkness to light. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, and that's the, you see how things change? Well, that's the same way God was trying to get you and I to see. Because he's in you, you are light. When you walk into the room, if everybody in there, don't even go to church. You are supposed to brighten up the environment. The environment is supposed to be brightened because you were just walked in. Lights about automatically supposed to come on, you know, and they should be able to see in you something totally different. Your attitude, your actions, your way of life should be a light to them, should be just glowing all over the place. And they should be able to say, man, what's this? This guy is a gal is different. Because the light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He says, you don't buy light and put it on a bushel. You set it on a candlestick. So it gives light where? To the whole room. You don't walk on your job. You don't walk in Walmart and places and put your light out. You let it shine. Amen. You let it be seen because you are making a change. You're saying really by your demeanor and everything is, I'm coming in here to make a change. I'm coming in here to show the light of Jesus Christ. I don't have to open my mouth. I don't have to say a word. Just by the presence of you walking in there, should be able people should be able to see something totally different. Uh, just by your character just by your attitude just by your actions it should all be a, a change you are the light of the world in him was life and the life was what? light and he came to give you life and that more abundantly and so if you've got life then you should have light. <laughs> and the light should shine. And the light should reveal. And the light should open a clear understanding. Amen. Jesus says in John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus unto them, I am the light of the world. He that follow me should not walk in darkness, but should have the light of life. Amen. John three seventeen through 21. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither come to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifested. They are the works of God. Amen. He says, here's condemnation, Nicodemus. Light is in the world. Jesus says, I'm here. He says, men love what? Evil. Better work more than the light. But if you're going to do right, you need to come to the light. And it will reprove that your works, what you're doing is of God. Amen. You walk into a dark room, you hit the switch, boom, the light comes on. You know? And the darkness is gone. You know? How many times have you ever played a game and it says, Let's put a blindfold on you and blindfold you so you can't see. Sometimes you don't get it tight, you can still see that little bit of light under there, can't you? You know, and and you can still see where you're going. No matter how much they think they got you in darkness, just a little bit dark, tight, you can still see there's light. So you don't need a whole lot. See. You can still see. And that's what you are to be, is that light so others can see. Just a little bit of Christ. Let them see just that little bit. It's going to make a difference. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. Praise God. So, in 1 John, I just already quoted it, but he says, if we walk in the light, As He's in the light, we're going to have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, amen, will cleanse us from all sins. If we cannot influence change by our good words and godly character to a lost and dying world, we may be losing our abilities. As I said last week, and I think of maybe Wednesday night to the Bible study group was that Eli was found guilty by God for one thing. He let the light go out. The priest's job was to make sure that those candlesticks never went out. Amen. From the inception of the law God told Moses to tell Aaron they were to order oil from morning to evening. Amen. Pure olive oil so that the light does not Go out. That olive oil represents the Holy Ghost. You are supposed to get up in the morning and get a double dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Recharge your lamp. Amen. And the Holy Ghost throughout the afternoon, you're supposed to get you another dose. Amen. (laughs) To keep you burning. So you burn pure and bright until the coming of the Lord. Amen. You want to keep doing these things. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Bond's commentary on the Bible states that we are to glorify God in these things, glorify your Father, praise or honor God, or to be led by worshiping Him. See in your lives the excellence of religions and the power and purity of the gospel. They may be won to be Christians also and give praise and glory to God for His mercy and to a lost world. Amen. So notice... That men shall see your good works and glorify your Father. That's what it's all about. To bring others into the knowledge of truth. And they will be able to say, look what the Lord has done for me. And when we are praising God, when we are magnifying God, here we learn that one, that religions, if it exists, Cannot be concealed. If you have the true goods, you can't hide it. If you have the truth of the gospel in you, it can't be hid. It's gonna be seen. Number two, that where it is not manifest in the life, it don't exist. If you ain't got it, it ain't there. Number three, that professors of religion who live like other people give evidence that they have never truly been converted. See, if you continue to live the old life, the old way, you haven't changed. See, but if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And the salt and the light should be seen. The salt in the light should be being used for its intended purpose. To expose darkness and bring people to the marvelous light. That's why Peter said, you are chosen generation. Your light is supposed to shine. You are the candlestick. You are the church. Amen. So if it's not there, if it's not being seen, if salt isn't being seen in you and light isn't being seen in you, then you may not be converted. You know, it's got to be revealed. Number four, that to attempt to conceal or hide our Christian knowledge of our experience is to betray our, our trust, injure the cause of piety, and to render our lives useless. Notice, you don't hide your knowledge. You don't hide... What God is doing in you. This thing, as Paul told, told Agrippa, was not dead in a corner. It was open. And so therefore, you must be open. Amen. So don't try to attempt to hide it. A lot of times, people go on their jobs and stuff, or go to their work site, and they don't want people to know they're Christians. They try to hide. Oh, I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. They're going to talk about me. They're going to persecute me. They're going to say things about me. They're going to tease me. They're going to... Really? You already knew that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You already know that was going to happen. Jesus told you that from the beginning. (laughs) He said, when these things happen, don't think it's strange. He says, because they already did Him and the prophets before you. So it's going to happen. If you ain't happened yet, hold on. I guarantee you, I'll get you a hundred dollar bill if it doesn't happen. (laughs) It's going to happen. Amen. So you might as well go on and be who you're supposed to be and stop hiding. Somebody out there needs to hear it and see it. Let it shine. Let it be revealed. So be ready to give an answer to everyone that has the hope in you. Amen. Let be be real. That's the best play thing to do. Man, share the love of God. Somebody is looking for how to get out of captivity. Somebody is looking how to be delivered from a broken heart. Somebody's looking. They they want help. They're looking for answers out there. And it's up to us. Don't hide the light. Just let it shine. Amen. Praise God. Because you don't want God to not trust you. You want Him to know that He can trust you even more. And that good actions will be seen and will lead people to honor God. Amen. Amen. And if we have no other way of doing good, if we are poor and unlearned and unknown, yet we may do good by our lives. No sincere and humble Christian lives in vain. Amen. Whatever we are doing, we're doing it to the glory of the Lord. Amen. And in Shakespeare, in his play, he says, how far the little candor grows its beams. So shine a good deed and a naughty world amen the world is naughty so shine 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 amen be bright be cheerful be joyful amen think not that i am come to destroy the world amen but salt light amen is what god is looking for in you and i and it's what He wants more than anything. Amen. So you have to study to see how you apply things. Amen. Learn how to be the light. Learn how to be the salt. Amen. Learn how to bring the right word. And the Bible says in Solomon, A word fitly spoken and due season. How good is it? Say, God gave us two of these, right? And one of these. And so if you listen don't listen, amen, to answer all the time. Listen to hear. Listen to what people are saying. When you follow your master's instructions and what, when you follow Jesus' teaching, amen, he never answered a question until people, he had an understanding of what they were saying. And then when he spoke that word, they said, wow, wow. We've never heard it like this before. This is your wisdom. Get wisdom. Get knowledge. Get understanding. So just be a in ear. And then when you give that right word, you know what you're doing? You're seasoning. You're bringing out the sweetness, the goodness. Amen. Many devices are in the hearts of a man, the Bible says. But a man of understanding would draw it out. Amen. People are looking, and now it's up to us to make sure that we are that salt, amen, that can bring that change, that rotten life, <laughs> that, that life that seems like it's been decayed and been, been eaten up, kink of worms, caterpillars, and all these things that has been eating people's lives. You can just put a little salt on it and bring it right around to be good those that has been sitting in darkness all this time and don't have any hope amen and think all hope is gone you can walk in and show them when they begin to ask you what is it about you differently and in love and kindness you can begin to share with them your testimony you don't have to talk about doctrine you don't have to talk about Anything else, you can just share what God did in your life because nobody can dispute your testimony of what God has done in your life. And as you begin to share your testimony with them, you are bringing light. You are bringing knowledge. You are bringing understanding. And then they will be able to cry out and say to you, what must I do to be saved? Just like when you look at Acts 16, Paul and Silas was in the deep parts of the dungeon. Amen. But what did they do? They sang psalms and praises to the Lord. And when that guard called for what? He called for light. And spring it in. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they says, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in your house and you shall be saved. And they took him that very hour and baptized him. Amen. And he continued on with the Lord. Amen. And this is what it's all about. You're light. So when they're calling for light, be the light. When they're saying circumstances is out of control, pray. That's so all you got to do, and you'll make a difference. Amen. So this is where we're going to head this month. Amen. And this uh, Sunday morning discipleship on the Temple of of Two. Amen. And we'll be back and forth in a lot of this. And so if you have questions, amen. This morning, verse 1 through 4, Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Revelation chapter 14. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice. From heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harps harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which was redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. These are they which follow the Lamb wheresoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and unto the Lamb. And I want to minister to you from this thought today the first fruits unto God. The first fruits unto God. Father, we praise You again today, Lord, for Your goodness. We thank You, Lord God, again for Your mercy and kindness, O God, again today. Lord, You're worthy, sweet Holy Spirit. We seek Your wisdom. We seek Your knowledge. We seek Your understanding, God. We ask for clarity, O God, so that when we leave this place... We will have the understanding of you and more fullness, O God, in our understanding. And we will know what this day means, God, when it's all said and done. We thank you again for your love and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated today. Amen. Praise God. Somebody asked, why did the chicken cross the road? (laughs) And the answer was to teach the raccoons how to do it. Because every time I turn around, there's a raccoon laying out on a road, you know, so praise God. <laughs> Didn't make sense, right? I know it did. Put <laughs> a humor there to help you out a little bit. Amen. The first fruits unto God. When you begin to look at Scripture, you find that there was three holidays that every male was responsible a year to go to Jerusalem. The first was the Passover, the second was Pentecost, and the third was the Feast of Tabernacles. As we know that the Feast of Passover was to commemorate the children of Israel's coming out of Egypt. Amen. And we celebrate that day, what we call Easter time. The Good Friday, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we come to what is known as Pentecost. Amen. Pentecost begins at the end of the Passover. And what took place at Pentecost, and how Pentecost began to come about was, it was the First Fruits. Amen. Pentecost was actually the gathering of the harvest at the end. But it started at the end of the Passover. Amen. And as a result, what took place was the children of Israel would bring their first fruits before it was ever produced. They would bring green, they would bring a sheave, and they would give it to the priest, and the priest would wave it or give a wave offering towards God to symbolize that the children of Israel was trusting God to bring the full harvest in the end. It took a lot of faith to do that. Because you are taking the first and giving it to God. And you are trusting God. You are now walking by faith in order to receive for the harvest. You're dependent on God. This is one of the reasons we tithe our first income. We are given to God. We're trusting God to provide the other that we have need of. And so they will present this sheaf or uh, their their first fruits unto God. And as a result, they would trust Him to bring the full harvest. And so at the end, amen, of the forty-nine weeks, they was to have a 49 Sabbath a seventh Sabbath, excuse me, which entertained and brought about forty nine days. And at the end of that forty nine days they would gather their heart, I mean their harvest, and it would be the feast that they would have, which was called Pentecost, Amen. And so this is how it came about. But while they were in the wilderness, Amen. God gave them the law, Amen. And the law was to commemorate as the, a uh, the, uh, the type and shadow. A Pentecost. Paul told the church in Romans 6, uh, he says, "'Know ye not that so many of us as was baptized into Christ was baptized to in His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection.'" So they had the law that was written on tables of stone. And the law was designed to commemorate, amen, what God was going to do for them. You see, the law's purpose, amen, of the given for them to be able to have a rule and a govern of how to deal with sin. And the writer, amen, Paul, was beginning to write to the church of Galatia in the third chapter, and he said, "...wherefore then serve the law." It was added because of transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made and was deigned of angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God. God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the Scripture has concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were all kept under the law, shut up under faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore... The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as you have been baptized in Christ, you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the law was designed to bring us to Christ. Amen. And so this is why the law was given. The law was not against. Amen. It was given because of the transgression of the people. So Pentecost begins to show you and I that the value of the law was to bring us to Christ. Amen. It was given to by them to commemorate the given of the law in the wilderness. Stay with me this morning. So the first fruits, amen, was to be brought As an offering unto the Lord, amen, to trust Him for the things that was to come. The law was given to you, amen, was given to them so that they would have a way to have their sins forgiven until the promise came. Amen. Stay with me. And Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. Behold, the day come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day, that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. "...which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them," saith the Lord. "...but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days," saith the Lord. "...I will put my law in their inward parts, and write them in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord." For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. You see, when David became king... He brought the, the tribes back together. There was the division between the house of Israel and the house of Judah. But when David became king, he brought them together. When his son Solomon became king, amen, they were still together. But after Solomon's death, his son Rehoboam, the kingdom was divided again. Amen. Because Rehoboam listened to the young people and not to the elders in council and they was divided again between the tribes of Israel and the tribes of Judah. And so God is saying through Jeremiah that there's gonna come a day that I'm gonna make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Amen. And so we began to see that God is already laying into place and be Begin to lay out the things that will happen to bring his word to fruition. As I said earlier, the law was designed to bring them to Christ. Amen. It was given to them so that they would know how to deal with their sins. It was given to them so that they would know how to deal with one another. And God says, I'm gonna put my law in their hearts and I'm gonna write it in their minds so that everyone will. Know me. It's not going to be on a table again. I'm going to show you what I will do unto you. David says that God wants truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts will you make me to know wisdom. And so the first fruits was always brought to to trust God, to believe God. Amen. And to wait for the promise. This is why on the day of Pentecost they was told to go and wait for the promise of the Lord. It required them to walk by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. We are told by Solomon to trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not unto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will Direct your path. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. And to give you an expected end. In other words, God wants you to reap the harvest. He wants you to have the best that He has for you. But you've got to trust Him. You got to believe Him. And the Bible tells us that somewhere around 30 AD, Jesus Christ became the first fruit. Amen. As Paul writes to the church. Corinthians and the 15th chapter and the 20th and 23rd verse. But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become what? The first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection from the dead. For in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man at his own order, Christ the first fruits out the day of the crisis at his coming. Amen. So Christ was the first fruit. Uh, amen. And so we will be after his coming. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're risen to walk in newness of life. You become first fruit. Uh, you're not a third generation Pentecostal. You're not a second generation Pentecostal. You're not a fourth generation Pentecostal. Either you're a first fruit, uh, or you're not at all. Amen. You've got to be the first fruit uh, to rise up uh, again. Praise God. Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, uh, and he shall going to stand upon the latter days uh, on the earth, and after the skin worms have ate this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Paul says he's become the first fruit. Amen. Who have believed our report? Isaiah said. And in whom shall the hands of the Lord be revealed? For he shall grow up as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. Amen. He should grow up as a branch out of the stem of Jesse. Paul goes on right into the church of Rome in the 19th verse. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reasons of him who have subject the same in Hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan it within ourselves. While we wait, of the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man see it, what has he yet hoped for? But if we hope for that which we do not see, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also help our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make an intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart know what is the mind of the Spirit, because he make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Notice what Paul says here. But we ourselves are the first fruits of the Spirit. Amen. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have the first fruits of the Spirit. This is what Paul says in Ephesians. Amen. For chapter 1, verse 13, that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the person's possession should come. In other words, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's going to keep you until God. God comes back for you. You're part of the first fruit now. And as a result, you're just waiting for the harvest. Uh, And this is what Jesus is trying to get you to see. When He comes again, His angels are going to put in the sickle. Amen. And He's going to reap His harvest. Amen. And we're going to reign with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. You're not some second fruit. Uh, You are the first fruit. Uh, of the Spirit of Almighty God. James tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the fathers of light with whom there is no variableness nor shadows of turning. Of His own will has He begotten us what? With the word of truth that we should be a kind of a first fruit of His creature. He's gotten us with the word of truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you first fruit? Praise God. Hallelujah. First fruit. So Pentecost was designed to bring us to Christ. So notice how it all unfolds. Fifty was Pentecost. Fifty days. As soon as you open the book of Acts, stay with me, under the law of Leviticus, They were to keep seven Sabbaths. Let me read it to you. Leviticus 23, verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, when you be coming to the land which I give unto you, you shall reap the harvest thereof. Then you shall bring a sheaf of your first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted before you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf of the lamb without a blemish of the first year. For a burnt offering unto the Lord. The meat offering thereof shall be two tenth deal of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savour, and a drink offering thereof shall be a wine the fourth part of the hen. What do you find there? Communion. Bread and wine. Communion, God has tried to Sabbath together. Amen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the same day that you have bought an offering unto the Lord your God. And it shall be a statue for you throughout your generation unto your dwellings. They were to keep this every year. It was a reminder to them. And so as a result, from Passover to Pentecost was seven Sabbaths. Amen. So seven times seven is what? 49 days, amen. But Pentecost is 50 days. Now, if you look at Acts 1, Luke begins to write in Acts 1, he says, the former treaties, O theophysite, of all that Jesus began to do, amen, and to show himself here until the days in which he was taken up, amen. After that, through the Holy Ghost, gave commands unto them, the apostles of whom he has chosen, To whom also he showed himself alive at the passion by many infallible proof, being seen of them how many days? 40 days, amen. And speaking of them, the things which was to come. So now you got 40 days. So where's the other 10 days, amen. To bring them to this point. Some people have questioned how many days were the children of Israel? How many days was they in the upper room? Well, as you go on down and you began to look, notice verse four. And being assembled together with them, commanded them, that they should not depart from the Jerusalem, but to do what? Wait. For the promise. Amen. It was they was to wait for the harvest. They were to wait for what God had promised them. God had told them that I would make the promise with you. Amen. A new deal was gonna be established here. He was gonna take his law. You remember in Jeremiah? And he's gonna write it on their hearts and he's gonna put it on their minds so that all would know them. The promise, he tells them. But the promise that he gave to Abraham would be to come. So they was to tarry in Jerusalem until they was endued with the power from on high. Amen. And so in verse four, he says, wait. For the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard of Me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they were come together, and they asked of Him, saying, Lord, will Thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father has put in His own power, but you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the whole earth. So we see that the promise of the Father would be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But we're still dealing with forty. Amen. And when He had spoken these things, while they held, beheld, they looked up in a cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfast towards heaven as he went up, before two men stood by in white apparel, which says to them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus which is taken from you, amen, up into heaven shall come likewise in matter as you have seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. How I many is Sabbath? Seven. So now you've got 40 see, he was seen. Now he's gone up. So now you've got 47. But the time they walk back to Jerusalem, they got 47 days. So you say, where's the other? So now you can see how this all comes together. So the most they would have been in the upper room is three days. Amen. Two days praying. And this is why the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all in one accord and one place. And suddenly there came from heaven... As the Russian mighty wind. Acts 2, brother. Amen. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and one place. And suddenly there came from heaven as a Russian mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them to utter Now you have your fifty, because now Pentecost was fifty. This is why they're all in Jerusalem at the feast time. Amen. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God began to write His law into man's heart so that all would know Him, from the youngest to the oldest. Nobody should not know who Jesus is. This is why you can experience now your own personal Pentecost. Amen. Because the days are being fulfilled. Uh, Amen. You can have what God has promised uh, to you. The earnest of your expectation is now for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Paul goes on in Romans 11-16, For the first fruit be holy, then the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so is the branch. This is why Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him shall bring forth much fruit. For without me you cannot be. Amen. Be my disciples. Hear me today. I've come to tell you that you are to be the first fruit of this thing. Amen. Pentecost is designed to bring you to the fullness of the revelation of truth. Amen. So that God God can write His law in your heart and in your mind so that all would know Him. And this is why throughout the book of Acts, as you begin to see, and when that day came, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them to utterance. Amen. The law was designed to bring you them to Christ and is designed now to be, is written in our hearts. To what? To bring us to Christ. We're going to a better place. This is why Paul says in Romans 89, if any man has not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is why you need to have that own personal Pentecost. This is why you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. This is why you need to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is why you need to be buried with Him in baptism so that you can rise and walk in newness of life. God wants you to know him He don't want you to be stupid and not know him He wants you to have a clear understanding He wants you to be first fruits not second fruit third fruit you are to be first fruit amen the good fruit the holy fruit this is why the Bible says in Hebrews 12 follow peace with all men in holiness is because the lump is holy the branch has got to be holy amen when you take on Christ. Amen. You are getting what He has promised uh, that He would give to us. We are the first fruits of the Christ. And now we just walk by faith and not by sight, waiting for the reaping and the final harvest to be drawn in so that we can reign with Him forever and evermore. That's why when you look through the book of Acts, and it goes on and say, when they ask Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises to you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as men as the Lord our God shall call. How many times have you heard that? But are you first fruit? Do you realize you're first fruit? Amen. Do you realize how you got to that 50 Pentecost? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to have the understanding of who He is in your life. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Amen. you're here this morning, amen, and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to know that the promise that God promised is for you today, amen, and you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen, because the promise is here for you.